You're listening to the Patriot Cause with Bud Cornwall, United States Marine Corps, retired standing guard on the Wall of Freedom. Patriots, we have the first guest, absolutely awesome guest for the Convention of States week on the Patriot Cause. We call him Producer G because he is the expert with all the video and the sound and just makes it sound great, makes it look great. and intensifies everything that we do at Convention of States. His real name is Garrett, but we call him Producer G. And I want to welcome him to the podcast. And thank you so much for taking that time out of your busy schedule like we all have to be able to talk to the great patriots on the Patriot Cause. Well, it's a pleasure to be here with uh, the Gunny on the Patriot Cause. I feel so honored. Thank you, bud. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So what I want to do is just kind of start off with, let's go back to before you even knew about COS. You know, was something like this organization in your mind where you're watching what was going on in our country and did you decide, well, I got to figure something out and kind of found out about COS? Yeah, I would take you back to uh, probably the 2012 election. Um, I was convinced that we needed to elect a certain person president in order to help restore the republic, and uh, that didn't turn out so good. And so that kind of left me uh, at a loss, wondering what we could do. I really feel like we were losing the country. The country was losing what made it special, uh, which the founding fathers had really infused into its DNA at the founding. And I really got hooked on a guy by the name of Mark Levin. And the more I read him, read his books, the more I listened to his show, the more I realized how deep and wide the problem in our systems of governance was. And I started to think, well, maybe one guy can't fix it all. And so I wonder what possibly can we do? And so um, then, you know, he announced one day in 2013 that he's got a new project, a new plan that he thinks we're all going to be really excited about. I thought, okay, this is interesting. Maybe someone actually has a plan out there to to save the Republic. And so, you know, not long after that, he released the Liberty Amendments. And I found that to make just perfect sense. I had no idea that uh, Convention of States was in Article 5. I had no idea that we, the people, had the ability to uh, initiate a process that could propose constitutional solutions Um, This was totally foreign to me and exciting, though, at the same time. And I thought, well, this is a great idea, but how is it going to actually happen? I think I started, I actually started a Facebook page called the Liberty Amendments, um, you know, and that got several thousand followers in a short time. And about that time, I came across conventionofstates.com and Mark Levin started talking about Convention of States project. And I realized, oh, there's actually an organization a movement that can actually help make the Liberty Amendments happen. Like most of the amendments that Levin talks about in his book, which would, you know, really, as he says, restore the American Republic, most of those fit under the Convention of States application, which is for term limits, fiscal restraints, and limiting the power jurisdiction of the federal government. And so about that time, you know, I started promoting Convention of States on social media, just kind of by myself and, uh, through Facebook and Twitter and so on. And I was also writing for a conservative libertarian-ish website called Red Millennial 
at the time. There was like 20 or 30 of us uh, young conservatives and young libertarians from across the country just writing uh, political content and um, pretty diverse opinion set. And so I kind of carved out my niche as following and reporting on the Convention of States movement. And this was, by the, by the way, at the same time I was in graduate school, in film school. Oh, of course. <laughs> so in my spare time, you know, besides, spare time yeah. besides having a job and doing wedding videos on the weekend and whatnot, I, you know, I was really passionate about helping to promote the Convention of States movement. And you know, certain states were passing applications and so on. And I would report on these different events that would come up. And so I think I accrued uh, as well on social media about 400 petition signatures as well, because you're able to follow how many petition signatures you were recruiting through the Commission of State's website. And so I think it was towards the end of my time uh, at film school, I was getting ready to graduate and I was procrastinating on trying to look for a real job and stuff like that. And I, ended, I had this idea for a video and I really wanted to put together this video about Convention of States and just kind of summing up the movement. And I called it the plan to save America. Nice. And so I just, uh, I didn't put it out there publicly. I just uh, sent it to a few other Convention of States volunteers who I connected with through Facebook and just wanted to know what they thought about it. And um, so I got a couple comments about it. You know, see, people seem to like it. And next thing I know, I was getting a call from Patty Meckler, <laughs> awesome. who, I fig- who I figured must be the wife of Mark Meckler. <laughs> and uh, through that conversation, Mark was there as well on the phone call. And um, through that, they ended up offering me a job as a video production guy for Convention of States, uh, which was uh, really a I didn't realize it was a dream until that moment, but it was really a dream come true. Just a perfect fusion of my passion for the America, the country, as well as a passion for video and storytelling. That's awesome. Garrett, uh, I've been around, same thing, 2013 is when I started with uh, COS, basically right behind you pretty much. And, and you and I have met multiple times in different locations. We work together and it's amazing for me, I'm not gonna, you know, hold back. I'm gonna be 59 or 58 years old this year. And so when I think of my grandkids, my kids, I have children that are your age, you know, so I think about my kids and, and I do remember them going through school in, in regular school, you know, elementary and high school, and they had a grasp of the constitution and America and the history uh, for the most part. But then they went into college. My daughter went into architect school. My son went to, I don't know, 16 different degrees. He finally figured out the psychology, I guess, or psychology, or I don't know, whatever the ologies are. He picked one of those to graduate with. But what I found out was they were changing right in front of my eyes. And so it's amazing that you, like you said, going through graduate school, especially film industry, you know, learning video and audio and that kind of stuff. How did your college days, when you were in college, did you feel the, t- the changes and could you sense some kind of change in college that didn't kind of match what you were raised with as far as the, you know, the history and the, and the you know, basically the overall patriotism of America? 
Well, I was very uh, selective and fortunate because I went to uh, Liberty University for my undergrad. Oh, good. good. Which is a fairly conservative campus. Um, but you do get a, mix, a pretty good mix of opinions. But um, And then I went to Regent University, which is also a Christian university in Virginia. Awesome. And so I still... Um, I felt pretty at home in those locations, even though I was still being exposed to other viewpoints, which was good. It can help sharpen your, That's your own views and stuff. But um, I've never gotten the pleasure of experiencing what apparently has turned into a doctor, indoctrination camps at these uh, exactly. universities. And, you know, I, you know, I've become a big fan of the economist Thomas Sowell. I think he's really one of the greatest thinkers of the past hundred years. Absolutely, uh, Just an amazing, amazing writer. And one of the things that he's asserted in his writings is that um, culture and a lot of governance can be downstream of academia. And I didn't really want to believe that at first, but the more and more that I've witnessed what's coming out of these colleges, we're seeing the changes filter into business, you know, not just government, but business and, and all these different spheres. And so it, there could be a lot of truth to uh, the culture is changing in large part due to the vision of the anointed, as Soul calls it, um, who's who they don't judge their their ideas or their policies by the results, but by their intentions. Yes, and that is a, a grave travesty that is causing we're seeing that play out in real time. What's going on with our culture right now? Well, it's it's interesting how you put it. Again, Thomas Soul is is. There's maybe a handful of people in this world that ever existed that are at that level. And I want to believe that a lot of our founding fathers were at that level, that understood not only the tyranny that was being pressed upon them, but actually a way of fixing that tyranny, you know, a way of being able to establish a country and fight back against those things. We're both Christians. And in the Bible, talks about the word of God is like a two-edged sword. So it comforts you, but at the same time, if you're in an evil part of your life or doing evil, then it cuts you like a sword. So basically it, you know, corrects you and comforts you at the same time. So it's like a two-edged sword. And I think this is where we're at. What, what we're dealing with is and you've probably heard this from your parents and maybe your grandparents. Oh, back in the day, life was so much better, you know, and you guys, you know, you, you're just lost and, you know, all those kind of things. Well, I disagree with that. And let me tell you why. I think life is 10 times better today than it was when they were during World War II days and, you know, and had to, to work a lot harder for pretty much to sustain life. But here's the two-edged sword part of this. Now we have great generation of, of young minds and, and kids, millions of, of young Americans that are standing up, going into these academies and going into the workforce that have so much. You know, they're they're in this this bubble of every niceness is the best way to explain it. Many of them never had to really work a day in their life you know, like a farmer or kids out in the farm or whatever. So here they are with what the country has presented to them and give them the capability of doing it. But yet at the same time, they're fighting against it. Right. So it's interesting how that, 
you know, that type of generation. And I think that's part of what's going on. It's not the full picture because they have to be led. They have to be guided by these, you know, different ideas, whether it's Marxism or, you know, communism or socialism, they have to be kind of corralled like sheep. Yeah. Um, And I think their minds, like you're talking about the indoctrination and, I don't see that in you. I don't, I don't see that in the young guys and girls that are within convention of states organization. I think it's because you been, you've absorbed the real true values of what the country has provided you. Well, I think what's largely could be missing uh, with the younger generation today is a lack of appreciation for how special America is. You know, it's not like um, history swings from, tyranny to liberty it's it usually shifts from liberty or i'm sorry tyranny to worse tyranny and so america is really uh, unique in in human history uh, for a a nation to be founded on these eternal principles of self-governance of liberty of um, judeo-christian values and we're losing that we've been slowly losing that over the past hundred plus years and sliding towards something that's more ordinary, more archaic, more ancient. You know, they call themselves progressives. What we're really sliding toward is something more top-down, something that's right. that's less modern. And so I love hearing stories from people who immigrate here to become American citizens. They're fleeing socialism. They're fleeing uh, Marxist policies. And they tell the story of how, you know, America was all, always that beacon of hope for them because they saw that as a a shining beacon of liberty. And you see these protests break out uh, now and then in the countries. And wh- whose flag are they waving? America's. Exactly. And yet here in the United States, it seems like uh, young people are constantly or more and more being taught to hate America and how racist America's founding was and how evil America is. And it's just totally, totally divorced from a sense of reality, a sense of history and context of where we are, and how the American experiment has really launched a period of unprecedented growth and progress in terms of technological progress, the freedom and prosperity that has been produced by the United States of America. Uh, As they call it, it's the 5,000-year leap, right? Um, and, you know, hunger uh, used to, you know, even worldwide hunger because of the amazing uh, fruits of capitalism and the American system of governance, uh, it's allowed for amazing innovations in these different spheres, including agriculture, where they used to say in the 60s and 70s that we we're going to have uh, mass starvation, where in fact, uh, when in fact, uh, f- uh, hunger and famine has decreased by, I think, something like 90% since then. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. And so, yeah, worldwide, not just in the United States. I mean, we've the United States itself has put a lot into preserving the world exactly. over the 248 years. And, and many people don't understand that. I mean, let's throw religion aside just for a second. Let's talk about, you know, and you, you bring up a good point. Even the, the new generation, they're being taught to be good to each other and to take care of each other and volunteer and do all of these things. But the catch 22 is, is they don't want to be associated or do things for people that don't have the beliefs that they have. Right. So it's, it's, it's a really rustic (laughs) deteriorating type of social, social 
or a society per se, where you have a group of people that say, well, because you're not like me, then I'm going to forcefully go against you. Right. That's not what America stands for. And I think that's one of the bigger issues that we're dealing with. And the reason I say that is because if America wasn't what you say it is, where it's this country that was developed and grew through loving your neighbor, loving God, you know, just ingrained in all the citizens, we wanted to share that throughout the world. No other country in the history of the planet has ever sent more missionaries from any different type of religion, pick them, to, all, uh, to around the globe to share the wealth and goodness of America. And our, our, our generations are losing that. So not only they're losing what, you know, our warriors did during the, the wars and protecting in, you know, like World War II is a great example. If we would have lost that war, you know, we'd be all speaking German right now. And they can't see it because they haven't lived it. And there's been enough generations of that separation where, it's not important to them anymore. Yeah. So, I think it is a very privileged mindset that yes. we can, uh, that is in the younger generation. As you say, they don't appreciate where we've come from, what's happened in American history and how can, you know, how America compares to other countries um, in terms of the living standards and so on. And yeah, I find it very interesting what you were saying earlier about, you know, it's everyone says be kind and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they want the ethics of the Judeo-Christian worldview without God, without Jesus Christ and all those exactly. things. But, you know, every, everybody has a religion. Everyone serves a quote unquote God or idol, if you will. And so what I, I think we're seeing in the American culture is with the decline of, um, you know, trust in Jesus and so on, there is a vacuum that will be filled. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, what I see, ironically, what I see coming out is, is not more tolerance, but more intolerance of opposing viewpoints. And if you divulge from the party line, you're labeled a racist, a xenophobe, a homophobe, et cetera instead of being able to listen to each other and talk intelligently, we immediately brand something, somebody as something close to like a Nazi, as not worthy of even having their opinion considered. And it reminds me of like a middle ages type ethic where you're excommunicating people. And so people, you know, are getting, can you know, this is the cancel culture. You're getting, you know, banned from social media. You shouldn't have a job because you said such and such 20 years ago or whatever. And they're putting up these obscene, standards that even they can't live up to, but are basically religious standards. They're basically creating a new religion that is devoid of compassion, devoid of forgiveness. And there's, it seems like there's all these religious elements in their worldview, but without, uh, without love, without compassion, ultimately it's because it's without Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. And on top of all of that, Again, I'm going to use my education as a young, you know, growing up with five brothers and a sister out in the country where we kind of helped each other and worked the farms and we loved each other because we needed each other. So it was it, that's the kind of family and the environment I kind of grew up in. And then as 
again, the technology started growing, then you get these cameras and you start getting this selfish type people hmm. where it's about them. Mm. Just virtually everything they do is associated with how can I, even into their college days and even in going into business days and becoming, you know, getting a job, they're still in that, what I call this child mindset of complete selfishness. The more peers I can get, the more acceptance I can get, the more things that I can show and I can do, look, look at my certificate, look at my trophies, you know, those kind of things. That's the exact opposite of how I grew up. Mm. Yes, I played sports and I got trophies and all that. But anytime that uh, any of us kind of went that direction, we were corrected right away going, hey, you know, that's really not, I mean, you did great, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, bragging is not a good thing to do. And I remember being in junior high when we had these onesie or twosie people, that's all they did. They bragged all day long, but they were so few compared to the majority of the students when I was going to school. I see this in my grandkids. My grandkids are eight, nine, you know, seven years old. And I'm going, wow, what's going to happen when they, you know, when they get into high school and when they get into college, how much more of this, you know, image thing are they going to continue yeah and i think that's you know so what we're talking about i think what we're talking about is a combination of all these different things in society yeah but going back to convention of states is convention of states the main purpose for convention of states is so we can grab a hold of the federal government and be you know as much as i hate to say it have a true, again, republic again, so these people can still be selfish, if, if you know what I mean. Because when the tyranny comes down, they're not going to care. When, when the, the big guys take over the country, they're not going to care. They're going to split you, and they're going to divide you, and they're going to tell who is important and who is not, no matter if you think you're important. So a lot of these uh, young people, if, if it did happen, and we did end up in tyranny, this is what they're going to lose. They're going to lose their whole life. And they're just going to be another robot walking around in the, in the midst of everything. But with Christ, that's separate. It's, no, it's not about us. You know, it's not an inward looking. It's an outward looking. I look at myself through other people, helping other people do certain things. And that's what Convention of States is doing. We're trying to externally separate this bureaucracy called the swamp by going through and doing what the article five of, of the constitution gives us to do the ability to, to control that government. Because if we don't, the, the culture is going to continue to go down the road. Yeah. I, I really believe that. Well, you hit it on the head, uh, but I mean, the bigger the government, right, the smaller the citizen. And right. we're at a point of the last hundred years or so where the government in the U.S., the federal government, D.C., the swamp has grown bigger and bigger. It's become more centralized, more centralized. And basically, I think we're at a crossroads between, you know, who are we going to serve as king in our nation? Is it going to be God or is it going to be the rule of men, the tyranny of men? And I think that goes to the heart of what Convention of States is about. It's what kind of country are we going to actually have? Are we going to have just an archaic, ancient, old kind of 
government where a few elites in DC decide how we're gonna run our lives, decide, make every decision about us, whether we get vaccines, you know, what kind of toilet is in our house, what kind of car we can drive, what kind of school we can go to, all these different things, what is gonna be in the curriculum for our schools, or are we the people going to decide? That is what Commission States is about, is restoring that culture of self-governance. And what you're talking about, Bud, you know, with your early life and how you always looked out for each other and everything and you needed each other, that to me is what self-governance is about. It's yes. not about being on your own. It's about let's us together take charge of our own community, our own state, our own town, our own families, because we're in charge, not some bureaucrat in D.C. We, that's how you have a healthy, peaceful country that is full of harmony and flourishing. It's a self-governing country, not the top-down thing where that creates divisions and exactly what we're seeing uh, today, the splintering. And when we say, you know, it's, it goes back to 1 Samuel as a chapter 8, where the people come to uh, the prophet Samuel and basically say, we want a king. Absolutely. And God takes the whole chapter and, and gives them a chapter long warning of this is what the king's going to do to you. He's going to take so much of your property. He's going to take so much of your uh, your your fortune and stuff like this. And he's warming, warning them about the king. And they say, no, we want a king other, uh, anyway. I think that's the exact juncture that we're at right now with America of deciding whether we want an old kind of king, a rule of men kind of king, or whether we want God as king. And so right now, it seems like more and more people are deferring and thinking someone in D.C. will do the job for us when, in fact, we should be taking ownership of our own lives, our own communities, our own towns, our own families. And that's we the people decide what's best for us, not some bureaucrat, some presidents and congressmen in D.C. They need to stay within their enumerated powers that the founders laid out so that we can get about the business of running the country in a way that's going to be good for all of us. Absolutely. And what you're talking about, again, is all, all the encompassed things that are going on. So we're seeing these changes. We're seeing what's happening. And a lot of the listeners and the patriots that contact me going, it's all great to talk about all of this bad stuff and all these things that are happening. But nobody talks about what to do yeah. and how to do it. And fortunately, uh, over the years, Convention of States, we have learned more than just the mission of having this convention. It's the mission of self-governance. It's the mission of standing a grassroots army up in America and doing exactly what you're talking about, Garrett, getting involved in your community, getting off the couch and going and actually doing something. And some of those examples, and maybe you can help me uh, determine even more, but some of the things that we can do is something as small as just going to your school board and listening to them and understand what they're you know, how they're operating, what's going through their mind, what is, what is their venue that's driving them to teach our kids. You can apply for offices, you can run for sheriff. I mean, there's, there's multiple things that you can do that you can reach out to your community to what I call infuse the light, what God has put in us. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's enough of us that there's enough Christians, true Christians, that are infused in the communities. And now there are states and counties that you can go to where it is more pre pre prevalent than other places. 
But I don't believe, and just like you're talking about, the Bible does not tell us that we cannot be involved in our government or have some kind of say in how we live our lives. Moses told that to his people the whole time he was in the desert. Okay, so if you don't want to do this, then what can we do? You know, those kind of things. And that's, that's where we're at when it comes to this point. So get up and do something, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, again, that goes back to the problem of so long, you know, we've said, you know, Christians shouldn't be involved in government. It's a dirty, it's like, well, where's the gospel supposed to go? If not to where the darkness is, we need to shine exactly. the light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. So we need to reclaim these spheres that we associate with darkness. You know, that's why I became really attracted to film and uh, earlier in my life is because I wanted to shine the light of the gospel into these dark places. Well, we can do the same thing with politics and, uh, and, and government. And I think it was, I think it was always intended that we, in America that we should be involved in our government. We were empowered to do so. And if not, we are seeding ground to the enemy. We're seeding ground to uh, godless people who are only out for themselves, who are only going to cause suffering for our fellow countrymen, our children, our grandchildren. And so uh, we should be seeking the best for our communities, for our cities, for our states, etc. cetera. Uh, and we can do that as, as Christians, I think. And uh, that, I think that goes to, you know, loving your neighbor uh, as you love yourself and stuff, um, looking out for them, uh, speaking up for those who need spoke, spoken up for. And, you know, whether that is, as you said, uh, attending a school board meeting, uh, speaking at a school board meeting, maybe even running uh, for school board, or find a candidate that you really like and block walking for them, just knocking on doors yes. for them, sharing you in your community. You know, we're starting a new program at Convention States. We've done block walking in the past, but now we're going to do a concerted nationwide block walking effort. And I think that's going to be incredibly powerful to systematically educate people about the constitutional power uh, that they have, that they probably didn't know that they have, and how they can actually take action and make a real difference in the federal government. For so long, we've just thought that, well, I'll just wait every two to four years to vote in an election. That's the only real uh, impact that I can have because try to get a meeting uh, with your congressman, try to get your congressman on the phone. It's probably not going to go too well. It's probably not going to work. But with conventional states, we can actually make a real difference because you can, you probably, uh, your state legislator probably lives in your neighborhood or in your town somewhere. You can knock on their door. You can call them up. You can get a meeting with them and actually forge a relationship with your state legislator. And I would say that's another thing that people can do is actually figure out who your state legislators are and for, start forging a relationship with them. Schedule a meeting with them. Uh, you know, find out where they go to church and things like that. Uh, you can make a huge difference uh, by forging these relationships uh, as well. And so, you know, again, I would just go back to, you know, we need to stop thinking that it's all about the soap opera in D.C. That's what the media tries to tell us. That's what it's all about. It's creating all this buzz about what Washington, D.C. is going to decide. What policy are they going to decide? You know, it's all it's all surrounded that. It's just a big soap opera. I started to realize that in 2012, 2013. It doesn't make any difference in my real life. It doesn't matter. What matters is what is going to what are you going to do to help restore the Republic? And that's what Convention of States is all about. What are you gonna do? Not what is somebody gonna do in DC, who decides? It always comes back to the question, who decides? Not what is gonna be decided, who decides? That's the question we need to ask 
uh, coming into anything in politics. We always need to remember that question, who decides? Absolutely, who decides? I, I, that has to be one of the best slogans of liberty that we've heard in, in a very long time in this country. Do you want other people to decide your life? I would say a good chunk of these people would say no. <laughs> no matter which side of the fence they're on. I really believe that. I've talked to, you know, I've even asked that question to my daughter, which kind of leads to the liberal side. And so are you absolutely convinced that the government should provide everything that, that you do? She goes, no. And the way she answers is, right. I went through six years of college and got an architect degree. I'm an architect, you know, and I've raised myself up through the ranks and, you know, and succeeded. And all of a sudden, they're just going to take it all away from me. That's so you have this. They have the same want too. Exactly. I think. This I think they just it's it's just a different way, a different approach, and they're not seeing that. They're not seeing how easy it is would be lost if you're not involved in your community, and and keeping the tyranny out. That's basically that simple. Yeah, the question of who decides cuts across party lines, and we're seeing this in the polling that Convention of States Action is doing with the Trafalgar Group. A lot of people might know that name of Robert Cahaley, who runs the Trafalgar Group, the most accurate pollster from the past two or three election cycles. Convention of States Action is partnering with them to ask questions of people, do these scientific surveys that the media doesn't want to ask. They don't want to ask these questions. And it's questions like, do you think that the government should mandate a vaccine, uh, a COVID vaccine, or should you decide for yourself and your family uh, if you're going to get the vaccine? Well, 71% across party lines said, no, they don't want a government mandate of a vaccine. And so clearly there is this huge uh, swath of our population that still believes that I know what's best for my life. I'm not gonna cede my life to some bureaucrat I don't even know in Washington writing untold numbers of regulations that have no constitutional you know, basis and whatnot. But that's the question we need to ask because that is nonpartisan, and it goes back to really the core of our founding, um, you know, because if you ask the founders who decides, well, they had a clear answer that they wrote in big calligraphy across our framing document, we the people. We the people. Absolutely. So, Garrett, you and I could talk for hours, <laughs> and I, I, I love being in your presence, and, and I mean, you're, you're so intelligent, and, and what, what, it give, you give me hope, you do knowing that uh, that there's the generation out there like you that are sh shedding the light, especially, you know, the truth of God and Christ in us is is how we're going to win. It's the, the gears that we put in place or maybe the processes that we do is important. Understand that. But we can't lose faith in the fact that, you know, it's God that's going to turn the country. It's, it's God that's going to inject and back into our citizens, the things that need to do. The, the last thing I would like for you to, to give us an idea, how do we become part of Convention of States? What can I do? Where can I go to learn more about it and to get more involved in the Convention of States? Absolutely. I would encourage everyone to go to conventionofstates.com, sign the petition. That petition will be sent to your state legislators so that they know you want them to vote yes for Convention of States, the Convention of States resolution. 15 states have already done that. We need to get to 34 states. We need to get that two-thirds threshold that's in Article 5 of the Constitution. We're well on our way. Over 2 million Americans have signed that petition. And so that'll get you plugged in. 
uh, for regular updates. And you can also go to the Take Action tab of the ConventionStates.com website and see there's lots of volunteer roles you can sign up for. Uh, you know, whatever skills you bring to the table, you know, you can be a part of a really special moment in American history. And we want you, we want to plug you in. And there's lots of resources for people. We have CUS University and so many amazing patriots across the country that are welcome you in. Uh, we need you. We need everyone in the fight to help save this country. Absolutely, Garrett. I couldn't say it better myself. You got a choice. Just like Mark Mecker tells us all the time, you either stand up or you stand down. So either stand up in defense of America and in defense of our constitution and our way of life, or you stand down. And when you stand down, then you accept whatever comes your way. So you don't have a leg to stand on unless you actually stand up and do something about it. And those on the podcast know my favorite words at the end of every one of them is stand up, show up, speak up. You got to do that every single time. And being part of Convention of States is a big family. And there's lots of volunteers. And if you really want to get involved, it is a great organization to become part of. We have lots of volunteers and this family that will teach you everything you need to know to be part of this great organization. Garrett, I appreciate your time. And I can't thank you enough. And it's just it's going to be an awesome week. Looking forward to bringing some more of our great COS leaders on. And hopefully uh, you have a great week. And maybe we can get you back on the podcast someday when, when you want to do some more of that great talking that you do. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much, bud. Appreciate you. Love you, brother. Love you too. Take care. We'll talk to you later.